and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jess Park Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah Abdullah. How is it going on this Monday evening for you, sir? It is yet another Monday, yet another start to the week, yet another podcast, but yet another start of the week at work. So, I mean, there's some good things in here, there's some bad things in here. We're edging ever closer to some football, so it's kind of realized how boring it was without the football this weekend, so... Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Well, listen, I don't know about you, but I enjoyed some of the football this weekend around certain Ah, teams who were playing in (laughs) Champions League qualifiers, but we are not an Arsenal podcast, so we don't have to talk about it. But there may be some relevance in that as we get into the podcast today. We are going to sort of Use as a jumping off point the announcement that Vika Kaptein has signed for Chelsea, uh, which happened last week. Another one of our kind of surprise youngsters signing. She's going straight back on loan to the club she was at before, FC20. Um, and we're going to use this just to sort of check in with this loan army that, that Chelsea have built up. Um, we're looking at sort of nine players out on loan um, at the moment. Actually, make that eight for reasons we'll also talk about later. Um, But eight players out on loan. There's a good chunk that we're still probably expecting to go on loan. So I think we're going to be looking at a set of loanees that that probably numbers uh, in the teens potentially. Um, Definitely more than 10. Um, And so we kind of want to look at how Chelsea have sort of approached this, how we think it's looking, and then do a bit of predictions, do a bit of looking into the future and have a little chat about what we think CFC women might look like at the start of the 2025-26 season. How many of these players do we think are going to make it into the squad? Where do we think the opportunities for them to come through are? And, you know, what that might look like, what this sort of development might look like. Um, But let's start with Vika Kaptein. Um, She is a Dutch midfielder, uh, 18 years old. She's very, very precocious. She was the youngest Dutch player to be called up for a World Cup. When she she went to Australia this summer, um, she signed a four-year contract with Chelsea. Um, so obviously that's the year that she's on loan plus another three. So it's a really, really chunky contract for her. Um, Captain said on signing, it's a really big club and I'm very honoured to be here. I'm looking forward to playing football for Chelsea. I can't wait to meet the players and fans, but I'm happy I can develop myself for one more year in the Eredivisie. Hayes said, Vika is a top young midfielder. She has great energy in the middle of the park, but she's also a player who can play between both boxes really well. She likes to get forward. She's tenacious and her style of play will suit the WSL. She needs to go and keep developing and we look forward to her future. Paul Green adds, we're really pleased to bring Vika to the club. She is a player we have been watching for quite a while. She has a lot of experience at such a young age, having played regularly over the last couple of years for FC20 in their first team. We look forward to seeing her do well for 20 this season and continuing her development. So, Abdullah, I think one of the things that is obviously very impressive about Captain as as a player and obviously I think what's put Chelsea's attention onto her and a lot of people's attention onto her, obviously people who watch the Eredivisie, is that she is very, very young, but she's basically already played two full seasons for FC20, which is just particularly impressive for a player of any, any age. I do think the Eredivisie... It encourages young players in a good way, in an exciting way. Um, But I think there's something to be said about a sort of box-to-box midfielder really taking on that that responsibility in the middle of the park, obviously to the extent that she did get that call-up to the the Dutch national team for the World Cup. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I think any player, especially the younger ones, especially in the central midfield position, is such a it's such a vote of confidence. If you can get a player who's that young playing in a central midfield position, regardless of whether they're playing as a six or an eight, you know, as a deep lying playmaker or as a box to box midfielder, I feel like you need to have a certain level of intelligence and a certain level of technical skill to be able to play in that position. And kind of like you said, the fact that she's already played two full seasons totaling up to like 3,000 minutes across two seasons. I mean, that is some insane number, right? 36 appearances, has three goals and an assist. I mean, those are some those are some crazy numbers for the team to go and say, right, you know what? You're 16. You're actually a problem for us. You're actually a really good problem for us because you're actually too good. Uh, we should, should we play you? Should we not play you? And then they kind of kept her around. And, you know, the fact that, you know, a couple of years later, a year or so later, she's in, she's like now running, you know, playing in that midfield constantly, a huge part of it with the, with the number of minutes and the number of games that she's been playing that, you know, you kind of have to look at it and go, right, then maybe there is definitely a player there. And the fact that the Dutch national team were like, right, you know what, you may not play minutes at the at the World Cup, but we're going to bring you along with us for the experience and Usually when you bring people on long for the experience at that age, it's more because you're grooming them for future World Cups and future squads because you have that belief in them so then they can be around the camp and you know get that experience of being in a World Cup camp. So I think I think of 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 the of the players that the young players that, that Chelsea have, have pick have been picking up, I think Captain might be one of those that uh, in a couple of years' time we'll be looking back and going, right, we've just got ourselves a ready made world class center midfielder right there ready for that midfield with maybe alongside Micah Hamano in a couple of years time so who knows yeah she's definitely I think it's fair to say one of the most established players that that Chelsea have bought and then loaned out although Micah obviously had played a pretty significant chunk of minutes in in Japan as well um but you know to have two seasons at, at the age of 18 and like look she's very essential now to the way FC20 want to play um 20 somewhat controversially, I'm going to say, uh, made it out of that round one of Champions League qualifying. They came from from two goals down against Levante to win 3-2. Some of you might have seen um, the clip that's been going around on Twitter where 20 scored their first goal um, when basically the 20 player is supposedly playing the ball back to Levante's goalkeeper because they kicked it out after a 20 player went down injured. Um, so a little bit of a controversial win, but still ultimately a very impressive one because um, Levante are a very, very good team. Um, Captain played all of that game. She played all of the game before to even set up that match against Levante. Um, yeah, so looking at the 20 starts um, last season in the Eredivisie, uh, 16 starts the year before, what are your sort of opinions on her as a player, Abdullah? What what have you made of cap time? Yeah, I think, you know, just just from the, the fact that there's not... Um, I mean, there, there's some decent footage in there. We can see that she's got a lot of... Um, she's got a lot of, lot of skill, a lot of technical skill. I think that's the thing that really stands out for me the most. But I think what I like is her all-round game. You know, if, I, if I'm looking at her stats, right, she definitely reminds me of a player that has both the offensive and defensive side of her game i mean i mean if i'm just looking at some raw data here right I mean, 3.75 dribbles per 90 in her uh, you know in in her last couple of seasons you know at a, almost a 50 percent win rate along with that you look at the other side of the game 6.72 interceptions per 90 and about 25.75 duels with a 60 percent win rate i mean you just take those three statistics for a second here 
and from that you can tell that this is a very good, a very, very consistent dribbler ball carrier along with somebody who doesn't mind getting stuck in and, and getting into 50-50s and really putting her putting herself about which I think that part of a game would have probably impressed Emma Hayes more than anything else to get someone who's physical and can suit the WSL league um, and getting somebody with you know for, for I mean she's even got like I mean an okay number of aerial duels right 2.24 aerial duels one with with a 40% win rate I, I think that's you know you look at these numbers yes it's the area divisie Yes, there is, um, there, there is, there is a, there is a, there is a ceiling there in terms of you know how the level of skill. But I think at at that young age, it doesn't matter who you are, what league you're playing, and those numbers are impressive. Yes, she could probably do with more goals in her game. She doesn't score that many goals. I think she's only had three in her last couple of seasons here with an assist. So I mean, maybe from a goal contribution output perspective, there could be something more. But if we're talking about a pure box-to-box player I think you know just just in terms of getting the ball from one end to the other and 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 doing good things in the offensive phase and the defensive phase I think is is probably where I think her greatest strength lies at, at this at this age yeah and I think even on those comments about the Eredivisie I think it's clearly a league that's really on the rise we've seen players like Victoria Pulova obviously come over to the WSL and to be honest I think I'm surprised Arsenal don't play her more, but she's obviously like literally fitted in seamlessly into that team. Uh, equally, you got players like Romy Leuchter, who's who's a striker who I really, really like. Um, she's still at Ajax, but I think she's someone who um, could easily play in, in more of a traditionally big league. And, you know, we've seen um, obviously 20 beating Levante in these Champions League qualifiers. We saw Ajax push Arsenal very, very close um, last year in the, in the second round qualifiers. Um, they really relied on Viv Miedemar basically to bail them out there. So those teams at the top of the Eredivisie have shown that they can really go um, toe-to-toe with the best of the best. Um, So I think it is a really exciting league to be in at the moment. I think it's a really sensible league to be shopping in as well at the moment. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. We've seen many, many Dutch players come out and look very, very good in recent years at different clubs. Um, I think in terms of thinking about what Captain is good and what she isn't good at... um, I'm going to caveat this with saying that she is 18 and I do think she feels um, kind of rough around the edges, but I can see why lots of people are very excited about her. Um, I think it's very clear that she really sort of throws herself into the game. Um, you were talking about her dribbles there. She, she's not a midfielder who's like, she's not a holding midfielder, for example. She's not somebody who's just going to sit there and play passes around. She's very all action. She wants to get forward. She's happy to find herself out on the wing. Um, she's happy to take on players there. She's happy to put cross in the box. She'll take shots from the edge of the area. Um, the goal she scored that you might have seen is is a really spectacular strike sort of from the edge of the area. Um it, it, that kind of position that she likes to shoot in. Um, I think for me, she's sometimes a bit rash in her decision-making. Um, she She's quite an ambitious passer in a fun way, but sometimes those passes aren't the passes that you should necessarily be making. But equally, I think that's one of those things which you want to see an 18-year-old doing. You want them sort of to believe that they can kind of try and play that hero ball. They have that confidence and then you can sort of refine that decision-making as, as time goes on. Um, I think equally defensively at points, she can, again, sort of throw herself into the game a bit too much. Um, But there are other points where she can look very 
relaxed on the ball. She's very good at sort of having that swivel of the hips type thing to get herself out of trouble uh, in the midfield. Um, so yeah, I think she's a really exciting player and it makes total sense to, to keep her where she's at, I think, in terms of the development trajectory she's on. Um, one thing I also want to discuss before we sort of get into thinking about what this lone army now <laughs> looks like more broadly is some of the comments <laughs> which... Uh, implied that Vika Captain will get the Anik Nauen treatment. Um, I find it really funny that Anik Nauen is the player that seemed to be picked here. I assume it's because she's also Dutch. Um, the treatment that you would presumably be more worried about is the Alsu Abdelina treatment. But anyway, I think just generally it's really important to say that I think Chelsea are right now really pushing at the sort of frontiers of what squad book building looks like in women's football because it's a world that's changing so much and it's changing so quickly and I think what Chelsea is doing is very sensible in that sense because we've seen that sort of competition for those very very top players is only increasing and you know the number of teams that are at the top like can is only growing ultimately you know we're seeing suddenly in the WSL we've gone from sort of two or three teams who would be the go-to teams for for players to want to go to in England and now you're adding sort of United and Villa who can either offer Champions League football or who can offer salaries or who can offer sort of the opportunity to play with other good players all of which have obviously become very attractive so I think to that extent identifying good young talent early makes a lot of sense. Um, Abdullah, I don't know what you make about sort of this idea of, um, you know, looking for those players when they're younger. Oh, I think what I'd add to that as well is like, also ultimately as a result, players will fall by the wayside. Like that's that's the reality of these things, unfortunately. And that's kind of the reality of, of professional football. You, you see it even before, like lots of players, unfortunately, just don't make it. And I think there's a lot of eyes on, on Chelsea as a club in terms of how they're going to do their business. But I think as long as you're offering sort of players the support and the opportunities that they need and deserve, like for me personally, I see it kind of as clever business rather than anything else. Yeah, I, th I think um, I, th I think with uh, when it, when it comes to developing a squad and, and and kind of bringing in these these players, I think you're absolutely right because we were seeing while the level of women's football is going higher as we've seen in the world cup and there are more and more players being readily available at a higher quality for teams to go and buy the very best players that are required for the top teams are getting more and more scarce and yes you can still find that merry-go-round of one player leaves one team that goes to another team that goes to another team etc 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 but we're at a point now where you can't just rely on buying the established stars or the up-and-coming ones you need the younger kids to be able to come through send them out on loan and start having that churn going because it not just helps not only helps the top teams but i think it helps the mid-level teams who get these players on loan to develop them and play them and do well for themselves but also then the money helps the teams that they're being bought from to be able to develop their academies and produce more and more players and i think that cycle is required in order to be able to make have football produce players of the caliber required to eventually have these top stars because if it doesn't happen at one level eventually the supply gets cut off and then you you kind of run out so and, and you're right like not every player is going to make it like we've seen so many countless occasions in, in so many football clubs where you will have maybe seven top prospects and probably maybe like two make it out of the seven if any and then those five end up going somewhere else and out of those five, maybe three do really, really well. And suddenly goes, 
oh, X club shouldn't have let them go. But then it's all 50-50 hindsight, right? It's very easy to say, you know, this this is possible and that's that's not possible, right? You you look at um, you look at the teams like Chelsea and Arsenal and uh, Manchester City and, and and even like you know Leon's and Bayern Munich. They've got so many players that that they could bring up and and do. Even Barcelona, for example. I mean, Barcelona have just recruited I think four or five, sixteen, seventeen year olds this summer. And you know, last season they had Vicky Lopez. This season they've got a few more, a couple of Italians and, and this and that. Are all four or five of them going to make it to the Barcelona first team? I highly doubt. If they do, then they've got incredibly lucky with their great with their scouting. But it, I, I, I would assume that maybe one or two make it and then they'll just sell the other three or four for, for some decent profit to a team and then help them develop. But then, and then maybe that player's ceiling is a mid-level team, right? And then for that team, they just do really, really well, right? You no, know, everyone's going to be a top club player. So I think you need that. I think you need that churn. And I think you need, it's almost like, have more, aim higher to be able to get the right amounts of really good players to come out of it. Because the more you have, the better chance you have that that one or two really make it as top class players. So, uh, you know, if you're gonna get an outside, you're gonna get an outside Berlin and an Ikenauer for every possibly, you know, like a, a Micah Hamano or someone like that who has the potential. Then, I guess it it is what or a Neve Charles or whatever. It is what it is. This this is this is the kind of things that clubs need to do to be able to get that that hit rate. Yeah, I think the Barcelona point is a good one as well. We've seen them really look to invest um, in their youth talent. I guess the thing that's kind of interesting that Barcelona have, which Chelsea really don't have, is this B team because the B team system obviously in in Spain is a lot more popular and it, it's something that's quite controversial here in England. Um, although interestingly, I do think it's something that would be a lot better suited to women's football than it, it would be to men. Um, but maybe that's a conversation for another time. Let's take a, a quick ad break here. And when we come back, we will talk a bit more generally about the players out on loan. So in terms of sort of looking at the different loanees we've got at the moment, I thought it, it would be useful to differentiate between some of the different types of loans. And I think we may as well start with with the kind of loan um, that Captain's on. Um, players who are bought from their clubs and then loaned straight back to them. So we've obviously got Vika Captain going back to FC20. Alejandro Bernabe is staying at La Real this this year. Um, that was their season was obviously meant to kick off this weekend. Actually, complicatedly, Liga FA didn't start because of there was a strike, but Bernabe wouldn't have played anyway because Sociedad would use play Levante and Levante were in the Champions League. So anyway, um, who knows when their season will start, depending on when that all gets resolved out there in Spain. Brooke Aspin, obviously the other one, um, going back to Bristol City to play in the WSL this season. How do you think this kind of loan helps players' development? I, th- I think I think at least for the first season, if you if you do have a two season plan, two three season plans alone, them I think the first season to go back to a team that's familiar or a league a league and a team that's familiar to them, I think really helps because it's just you know they've secured the move that they wanted, so to speak, and they get to go back into an environment and start to thrive without the pressure in an environment that they're used to, and and if especially if it's the same team, then it's someone you know teams and players and teammates that they're used to playing playing under a certain coach and they can now kind of play without that extra pressure and a bit more freedom to be able to then go and perform even better and kind of and learn their craft and kind of go from there with the added advantage that they've got uh, probably a, a technical loan officer kind of checking in on them and, and their parent club looking at them going okay where's your development where are you going um and I think for that first season, it's great for them to be able to just play the same football that they've been playing, kind of develop there before they go back to the parent club and 
decide where the next best loan is because I think then that performance and that level of where do you think that player should be going next then helps, you know, a, a club like Chelsea, you know, decide. So next season, right, Captain Bernabe and then obviously Hamano's back and maybe maybe looks for a loan move in January, uh, depending on her, her shoulder injury. But I think if you look at Bernabe and, 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 and Captain, I think depending on how they play for their for their clubs now, Chelsea will look right and go, all right, are you ready for the WSL or the championship right for a loan over there? Or do we need to send you back on loan into a foreign club, a foreign league again, whether that's uh, the Spanish loan in, 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 the, in the case of Bernabe, or do we need to send Captain back maybe to from, from Netherlands to Spain or from Netherlands to Germany? And then they have those discussions and decisions. So I think from a development point of view and kind of letting the parent club know where they're at in a season after everything is done and they, they own the play and get to look at them better, uh, I think is um, I think super important. Yeah, this these feel like cases where Chelsea are very aware that sort of the level that these players are playing at is the kind of level that they feel would make them ready to come over to Chelsea whenever they needed them to. For me, that's what kind of stands out about these loans. There's like a Liga FA one, WSL one, and Eredivisie one. And like, as I've said, obviously Eredivisie isn't sort of spoken about in the same breath as the WSL or Liga FA, but I definitely think it it's a really entertaining and uh, league that's well worth watching. Um, I think, as you've said, it obviously helps, especially with, with younger players, that they get to sort of stay in place. You know, with, with Vika Captain, we're talking about someone who's 18 years old. Obviously, that's a bit different with a, with a player like Bernabe. But it kind of allows Chelsea, I think, to identify these players and say, these are players we want, but we don't want to be in a position where we're necessarily like fighting loads of teams if their contract runs out and they're looking for a move. We want to make sure we're in there early. Um the club gets to keep them for some extra time maybe than they would otherwise. Um, but Chelsea ultimately still come out holding sort of the, the cards to that player at the end of it. Um, then we've sort of got this other set of uh, this other category where players are bought from clubs and then loaned out somewhere else. So Micah Hamano, Alsu Abdelina, the obvious examples about this. Hamano obviously back at Chelsea. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Alsu Abdelina with a kind of unpredictable not Chelsea future but anyway she's like gone to play with a good team uh, a team so good that Alcio Abdelina was able to make her debut as Paris FC did beat Arsenal uh, knocking them out on on penalties um, I would say it was the Alcio Abdelina effect but she didn't do a whole lot and she didn't play for most of the game but she did quite a good job on uh, on Lena Hurtig towards the end of the match um, but obviously Abdullah, this feels like sort of situations where Chelsea are like okay, we like you as players. We think you're good, but where you are right now, maybe it's not quite right. Maybe in Hermano's case, obviously having a player out in Japan, that's quite hard for club to keep an eye on. Um, similarly, I guess in Alsu Abdelina's case, Russia is a clusterfuck of politics, um, which really influences how you look at football there. Um, but, you know, these are players who you then sort of want to place at clubs, which you think are going to develop them uh, further. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think I think bringing them closer to home, you know, within the you know within the same continent, I think I think helps, um, and and I think there's an element of a bit more control and a bit more familiarity, right? If you're going to a Scandinavian league or you're going to the French league, there's still a, a an air of, of familiarity because scouts and coaches and, and and Emma Hayes in this case and her coaching staff would be keeping an eye on these major leagues to kind of look at and go from a 
from a, from a game perspective and kind of how they play and, and they, they, they would know the type of football that each of these teams will be playing and kind of how the league performs, right? And knowing, you know, within their, probably within their staff, they would have a list of clubs within each of the leagues going, okay, if we have this type of player, this is to be the perfect club, this would be the perfect club, this would be the perfect type of club. And having that sort of like categorized list, I think helps. And then being able to, I mean, I know you can always pick up a game and watch it on, on, on TV or, or on the computer, but just to be able to fly, like, let's just say Chelsea want to go and see Altsu play live. They send a scout. They just have to go to France, right? It's like a couple of hours from England on the Eurostar, hit up a game in Paris, watch her for like 19 minutes and then head back. And it's much easier to be able to do that and take those closer looks and have those chats with her uh, in person with, with just a small trip. And even with Hamano up in, up in up in Scandinavia for Hammerby, I think I think it's it's just easier to be able to do it because you're so familiar with the league. Whereas Japan's a really good league and they've got really good players, but it's too far, right? It's just you can't make that trip easily. You can't do everything a lot easier, though they've been producing some top class talent. Um and with Russia, obviously same thing, politics, etc. So it's it's hard and, and and to be fair, their league standard isn't as high as as you would look anywhere else. So you know you'd want to test the player in Europe somewhere just to see how they, how they progress through. So yeah, I, th- I think, I think just that air of familiarity and kind of bringing them closer to home really does help the development and kind of help the parent club make a decision on, do we keep this player for the long term or do we not? Yeah. And then sort of the final category we've got is academy players who have gone on loan predominantly to the championship. So this year we've sort of got Emily Orman, Rihanna Blades, uh, Lexi Potter is there. I suspect that we might be getting a few more championship loans would be my guess. My question with, with these kind of loans, Abdullah, is I feel like this is the loan category that sort of feels most confusing for me at the moment. Um, ultimately, we tend to see these players getting quite limited minutes. We saw that last year with some of the players who went out on loan. Um, we're kind of seeing that this year, albeit it's like quite early. So I don't want to judge too much, but Emily Orman's sort of the only player who, who started games. Um, Rihanna Blades, Alexi Potter, um, haven't had really any minutes. Um, you've also sort of got Charlotte Wardlaw floating around in not quite this category because she is now at Glasgow City, but she's not started any games there either. Obviously she did have a successful championship loan, but then hasn't really seemed to be able to translate that into anything else. Do you think this is the best place for academy players to be ending up? Because it seems like something that Chelsea are like quite keen on doing. But I've got to be honest, I'm I'm not really seeing the benefits of it right now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I, I can't see it either. I mean, not in the last couple of seasons, last season or so, have we really seen a champion. I mean, we've seen, we've seen them in the past. Championship loans have worked, but it's like it's like lately these the championship clubs aren't using these players as much as you'd like them to be. I mean, I don't know what conversations are taking place before they got on loan, right? Because obviously there must be something where M. Hayes and the team are talking to, you know, the likes of Crystal Palace and Watford and, and, and all these teams and Lewis and all that going, all right, giving you our player, this is the development plan, how do we want to go? I mean, could there be an issue in training in terms of, you know, the coach thinks that the other players are training better, et cetera, et cetera? Maybe, possibly, I don't know. But it is becoming a worrying trend where, okay, now Emily Orman is starting games and getting it because she's it's almost like the six, she's almost the experienced loanee at this point, right? She's gone on so many loans that, that people trust her that when she does go out on loan, she's a really good enough goalkeeper and player to be able to perform. 
Um, but with the rest, I think there's an air of uh, an an air of caution and and just I think I think maybe there's not that full trust yet, and I think maybe if they played a little bit more, and I think that maybe comes a time. Maybe it's the same Emily Oman effect, right? You've got to play have a couple of loans where maybe you're playing a few games here and there, build up that trust, build up that experience almost, and then eventually make your mark. And I think the only thing that these girls can do is that the minute they get their minutes, their their chances, just have to impress the coach, whether it's in five minutes, two minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. Um, but it's a trend, and I think something that Chelsea needs to look at in terms of um, how they review it. Because if we have another season of like, these players going in like Rana Blades and Lexi Potter and all that going in and not getting more than, you know, 1500 minutes, I would say as a fair assessment for a full season, then I think there has to be a reassessment of, do we even play them in the championship or do we move them elsewhere and try and play them maybe in like the Netherlands, like where Captain is playing. And maybe that's the level that these, these players maybe need to go to and maybe develop themselves over there. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously an element whereby you're very right. Like, it's not like the loanies should just play just because they're loanies from Chelsea. Like, they're at clubs that need to play their their best eleven, And we also have had successful championship loans in the past. Aggie Jones, George Fox, you know, players who then went on to have successful WSL loans. And, you know, we're looking at Beaver Jones being in the squad this year. Who knows what would have happened to Fox if she hadn't done her ACL. Um, so it's not to say, like, it's not a foolproof path. I just think it's very interesting because I feel like the championship is like a really weird league to me at the moment in that you've got lots of teams on very different trajectories. You've seen teams like the London City Lionesses this year by a load of kind of washed, to put it impolitely, uh, WSL players sort of to to bolster their ranks, you know, the Rusha Little Johns of this world, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's almost like these teams are now, they're a lot more interested potentially in in looking for an ex- the experience that's going to allow them to finish top of the league as opposed to developing their young players or, or other people's young players. You know, like I was at Charlton at the weekend and I was kind of struck by how many players who were sort of, you know, in the 28 plus age bracket there were there. There were like talented youngsters as well. But, you know, for example, Arsenal's lonely at Charlton Freya Godfrey. She was only coming on at half time. So it's not a unique Chelsea problem. Um, I just think it's quite interesting in terms of as we talk about how this sort of loan system works and what's best for those players, whether that that pattern, I think, will be something that's interesting to see if it changes over time. Um, Abdullah, are there certain leagues that you would like to see players being loaned to? I know Chelsea have explored pretty much everywhere in Europe that you can loan a player to. Um, We've really ticked off Italy, France, Spain, Holland and Sweden in the past two seasons. Um, We don't have any German, German loanies. Maybe that's why we're missing out. Yeah, yeah, German loanies wouldn't be too bad. Though I think, I think, I think I like it in like maybe three places. I think depending on the level of the player, I think it would help and, and maybe their style uh, would kind of go into it. I wouldn't mind the Netherlands for our up and coming, like all right, potential, the Captain, the Aspen, the, the Hamano, the Bernabes, like give Sweden and Netherlands that sort of like level of treatment where, all right, we've got really promising youngsters that we think can play in a, in a decent first team. Let's put them over there. I, I would I would actually like more French loans, not being biased. I would like more French loans just because I feel like the league itself could do with better players coming into the league at the at the lower at the mid to lower end of the scale. And, you know, I can imagine that if we were to ima- imagine like someone like 
And I'll keep going back to Hamano because it's the only player that I have in my mind right now. But you go back, maybe an Aggie Beaver Jones, right? Let's take an Aggie Beaver Jones, Georgia Fox, and Mike Hamano. Imagine those three players playing for like a Paris FC, uh, a Le Havre, or, or a Gangon, or, or Fleury, right? You play for these three, four teams. Then they're playing against, then that raises the level between them because anyway, those teams in the middle are competing against each other. Once in a while, they'll get a decent result against a Lyon or PSG. And then they get to play against Lyon and PSG and they get to experience that culture, that different type of that different play. So I think that's a decent that's a decent place to be able to go and see how these sort of players would do. And then kind of finally, low-key, I like Italy. I like Nowen's loan to Milan. I thought it was a really good move. I thought she really benefited from there. And I actually think Italy is going to be one of those leagues in the next couple of seasons that is up and coming where we're going to start seeing a lot more players buy big players from the Italian, so big teams are going to buy players from the big Italian teams and start becoming more uh, world-class and kind of big up onto the stage. Like you've got like, obviously you've got really good German players, English players, French players, Australians, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I, I feel like that Itali- the Italians are up and coming next. Obviously, you've got your Bonanzas and all that, and she's probably you know, one of the top players out there. But I think sooner rather than later, the leagues are getting better. Inter, Roma, Juventus, and Milan are like four, and sec- maybe even Swazolo, like four or five teams are competing for the top place. At least the Inter, you know, the Inter Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus, and Roma. Those are the four teams that actually have really good players, and they're constantly fighting for the top four, which... In and of itself, is a very competitive league. So I think if you can, if we can take our players to that league, and especially within those top four, I think I think there's a really good chance of developing and, and and regularly playing high high competitive football in 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 a semi decent league that's growing. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I think where I'd like to see Chelsea maybe looking in terms of placing players actually in sort of any of the european leagues I, yeah i i like italy a lot as a league um i've actually really enjoyed watching more swedish football because of micah being there um i think it's very underrated as a place to be as well um but i think in terms of the next step after these championship loans you know if we are talking about players getting minutes i kind of feel like the then trying to put a player at a wsl club is the kind of bit that's not really working for me just because obviously naturally Chelsea aren't going to put a player they think that's really good at any of their rivals so immediately you're sort of and would any of the rivals want to take a Chelsea low knee because that looks kind of weird for them too so immediately you're then cutting out sort of the top third of the table um now I don't think Chelsea are going to be able to loan a player to Barcelona or to a Lyon for example but yeah if you can look at teams that are sort of competing in the top third of those tables they're going to be the level of the other teams. Um, they might potentially even get to play Champions League football, as we're seeing with, with some players. Um, but they're not sort of like directly competing with you and they're not like affecting your pre-existing relationships within the WSL. So I think that would be really interesting thing to see maybe how that changes as, as time goes on. Um, just sort of finish off this section, I want to talk a bit about some of the players Chelsea has developed in the past. Because I think another thing that people seem to really forget is like... Chelsea haven't necessarily been doing this on an international scale in terms of sort of buying European players and then developing them. Um, But they've done it on a British scale and just kind of some of the players who I wanted to chat through um, in terms of joining the club at quite a young age and going on to do very, very well. Um, 
Aaron Cuthbert obviously joined Chelsea at 18 and is pretty much nailed on starter at the club. Neve Charles joined Chelsea at 21 um, and I think has had a bit of a rockier path maybe than, than Aaron Cuthbert, but has um, definitely sort of really improved, I think, over the past couple of years. Jess Carter is someone who was you know, seen as very precociously, phenomenally talented, joined Chelsea at 20 um, and obviously, you know, started for England at the World Cup this year. Um, and Beth England may be a more interesting example of of a, someone who's gone through the loan system at Chelsea, joining Chelsea at, at 22, um, but spending a season at Liverpool before sort of making her way to, to being a more regular player for Chelsea, obviously now moved on to, to Tottenham. And Abdullah, I guess... The reason I want to point this out is that all this shows that, you know, whilst maybe there are more players in and around this system, in terms of developing players sort of 22 and under to become first team starters, Chelsea have many, many examples of having done that over the past couple of years. They're not a club. It's wrong to characterize them as a club who only buy players at their peak. 100%, 100%. And you look at each of these four players that you've listed, right? Each of them have become starters for Chelsea at a very regular on a very at regular times. Like Aaron Cuthbert now, I don't think you can see a first team without her name on it. That's how good Aaron Cuthbert has become. Jess Carter is another one now that's really cemented herself. I think last season was the start of the peak of Jess Carter and the fact that she was starting for England at a World Cup that reached the final. I think is just a testament to the way she's developed at Chelsea because if it wasn't for that, she wouldn't be in that position. Neve Charles, I think, is is probably the one that is has been playing well and has had more and more starts as the seasons have gone on. But I still think there's maybe a level that she needs to reach to really become a nailed-on starter. But there is player development there in terms of a player that is good and that is getting better and and has, has benefited from from the development of Emma Hayes and and Beth England. I mean, you look at that. I mean, you you she she comes in, plays six games, doesn't really have too many minutes, goes to Liverpool, scores ten goals, comes back to Chelsea, and has, you know three back-to-back double-digit scoring seasons and then scores important goals and then kind of becomes this player that, uh, you know, this player that is so super important to to Chelsea and even helped to win a couple of titles there. So, I mean, you look at that and I think, if anything, Chelsea themselves have really made themselves work as a club to develop younger players and, and get them to start. And I think testament to Emma Hayes' development as a manager. You know, people say that, you know, she stockpiles all these talents and all these players. But when you've got players like this who've shown time and time again different examples of players who've started off as like, you know, I mean, let's let's just take the example of Jess Carter. I mean, how many times over the last couple of years of podcasting we've done, we've always questioned, is Jess Carter good enough? She just is very inconsistent. Is she good enough? Is she good enough? Is she good enough? And now we're like season and a half in a row. We're like or two seasons. We're like, that's probably the most improved player there. And then now, now you're looking at it going, can we really drop Jess Carter from the side? I don't think so, right? It's it's we're getting to that point of the equation now. You're like 18 months ago, 20, you know, 36 months ago, 24 months ago. You're not thinking that. You're you're going, well, you know, is it, I mean, if Jess Carter would go, is it really that much? You know, those are the kind of thoughts you'd be having. So I would say that you know it's it's great, and and you know if there are very very talented players, and which is why maybe someone like Micah Man, if she stays for the rest of the season, it's not maybe entirely a bad thing, right? Because then you know that there's a track record of developing world class players and uh, sorry players with talents, and then making them into really really good talents. So yeah, I can I can see that being a thing. 
All right, then let's take another ad break here and we will have a little bit of Mystic Meg prediction fun when we're back. So I think part of the fun of this, and I, this comes from me be, feeling like I've got quite a clear idea of, of who this will work out for and who this won't, and I could be very much wrong because things can change a lot, especially with young players. Um, but I think the way Chelsea have developed some players rather than others hints at that. But let's have a little bit of prediction around what Chelsea women's squad in 2025-26 would look like. So two seasons from now. Um, and... Basically, Abdullah, I kind of want to put you on the spot and say from our nine current loanees, but I will also add in academy players who've been in and around the first team squad recently. So Amy Claypole, Ashanti Akpan, Lucy Watson and Keris Brown. Who do you think is, they don't have to be a starter, but is part of that 25 player squad that, that we're looking at? kicking off the season two years from now all right i think i'm gonna go with four players if i can if i can i'm gonna go with four players i think micah hermano i think there's just too much talent there for her not to be part of the chelsea starting 11 i'm gonna go with, i'm gonna go with uh wiki captain i think i think you know picking up someone so young playing so many minutes i think there is a development there that can happen i think she needs another couple of good years but i think if she can she can progress i think she can be in and around there I will give the third one to um I have a feeling Brooke Aspen might just be in and around. So I'll give Brooke Aspen uh, a third one, just the center back. Millie Bright isn't getting any younger, and you know, Chelsea will be looking towards the next generation of defenders to come through. And the last one's last one's 50-50 for me, because I don't know, because I have I have two players in mind. I either for me it's going to be um, one of the ones that are actually out on loan, of which there are two, or one of the academy players. I have a feeling that, um, I have a feeling that one of Amy Claypole or Charlotte Wardlaw, I think, will be around. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know which one, but I think one of them will, will, will be there. You know what? Just for the lulls, I'm just going to say Amy Claypole. So for me, those are the four that I think will be around like two seasons time. Okay. Interesting. Very, very interesting picks. Um, I agree with you on, on Micah. Um, I feel like she is obviously sort of switcheroo for Frank Kirby in the squad at some point. Um, I agree with you about Brooke Aspin. Um, I think there will definitely be room at centre-back whether that's from Millie Bright playing potentially less minutes, but I honestly feel like she's the kind of person who could go and go, but potentially Maren Mielder not being uh, part of the squad, Nanique Nowen probably not going to be part of the squad at that point. So I feel like there will be room at centre-back um, for a player like Aspen. The midfielders are a bit of a question mark for me, and I think it'll be really interesting to see how this develops over the next two years, because I think... Captain and Potter are both players who Chelsea clearly rate very, very highly and, and justifiably so. But there's a hell of a lot of midfielders floating around. So obviously at the moment we've got Sophie Ingle, Melanie Leupoldt, Aaron Cuthbert, Jesse Fleming, uh, Yelena Chankovic and Shoka Nuskun. You've then got Charlotte Wardlaw and Ashanti Akpan, Vicky Captain and Lexi Potter. So in terms of like who's not there in two years to open up the gaps, like I'm really not sure. Um, Ingle would be the obvious one, I guess. 
um, and I potentially a Chankovic, um, maybe moving on as well. Um, so there would be spots there, but it would be surprising to me if both of them were able to come in at the same time. Um, I do think Bernabe as well will be interesting, but I feel like of all of the sort of loanies who've gone back to their parents' clubs, she's got the one who's got the most growing to do. And maybe that's, maybe I only think that because she's the eldest. Um, you know, I think there are like things in Captain's game that aren't great, but I'm like, yeah, she's 18. So she's got more time. Um, whereas Bernabe doesn't, doesn't have as much time. Um, but maybe one whom I'll do a curveball that you did as well. Um, but potentially Lucy Watson. She's obviously somebody who we haven't really talked about much because she didn't play any football last year because she did her ACL. Um, you know, she went to Charlton alone and then never played for them. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with her. She was like, it was super hype when she was signed and, and justifiably so. Um, she was a very precocious player. Um, someone who could score goals, someone who could attack very well. I do think Chelsea are equally stacked in those areas, but um, it feels like she could be someone who potentially might have the opportunity to sort of show where she is post-ACL, but it'll definitely be an interesting one to look at because uh, she only signed a two-year contract, so I don't really know what's happening with that. And yeah. That one is feels a bit more out there and a bit more up in the air. But I think basically what we've both settled on, Abdullah, is that there are some very obvious switches in and out for players who are nearing the end of their Chelsea careers. Not like imminently, but within the sort of next two to four years. Um, I guess, interestingly, maybe we'll go here next just to sort of finish off, it is to touch on uh, Meli Leupoltz, who retired from the German national team today as an Olympic and European champion champion with 79 caps basically she said she wanted to kind of show she could win back her national team spot after giving birth but she had a son with her at the world cup it made her realize like how energy sapping that was and she just wanted to put her full focus on club football uh, she said i'm very proud of what i've achieved in the national team now it's time to put my full focus on my club chelsea because I want to live up to the high level there and achieve all my sporting goals with 100% energy um this is like a pretty um, like shocking decision, I think, right? You know, Leupoldt is 29 years old. Um, she doesn't turn 30 till next April. Um, but clearly she sort of feels like the club is, is where she wants her focus to be. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a surprising, um, decision. I mean, I don't think, I don't think any of us saw that coming, but you know, at the same time, I think, I think she, I think I think I think being at the World Cup and kind of playing, obviously starting the first game and maybe not playing the rest of it as much as she wanted, maybe was also kind of a moment for her to realize, me, you know, do I have a place in this team? Do I not? Because I mean, you look at that Germany midfield, right? Lena Obidov, Sergei uh, Nuskin, right? Sydney Lohmann, Sara Dabritz, Lena Latvain, Lena Magul. You know, you know, you've got like five or six top class centre midfielders in there of which there's possibly two maybe three positions to play right and yes germany could do with depth and she's one of the more experienced players in there to come in and and, and i think she's still personally i think she'll she has a lot to offer but the fact that if she's saying that it was energy sapping she wasn't feeling you know too great about the whole thing and wants to put a focus for chelsea then Fair enough. I mean, we've seen players retire at the age of 29, 30, 31 from the national teams to be able to play more club football. 
Um, I mean, there's not that many players that play till the age of 35, 36, 37 now. I mean, at least so far. So you would think, I mean, you look at someone like Stephanie van der Gaat, who's like retired at the age of like, what, 30, 30, 31, 32 from the national team and from football in general. That was the last, you know, time she played. So, um, you know, you're getting these younger retirements, or at least from the national team, so that they can focus more on club football. And I think it also, they look back and they see, all right, we've got this long line of players that are coming through. You know, the, mid, the, the future of the position is safe. Especially in Germany's case, when you look at Lohmann is 23, Oberdorf is 21, Latvijn is 23, and Hüllebrand is 20. Right, you've got that you've got that youth in there, and then you've got Lina Bagul, Linda Dalman, and Sara Dabric who can come in and bring that exper- experience in there. So, I think based on that, based on what she said, she wants to play a bit more for Chelsea and 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 you know um, do that. And I, I think fair enough. And hey, it benefits us one extra player to be there during the international break. That's fresh to come back when we when we need to play those immediate games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic for, for Chelsea and I hope it's a great decision for, for Leupoldt and, you know, it's something that, that works out for her. I just think it's it's a massive shame for her that um, sort of her international career had to end with that, that group stage exit. I know she said maybe she, she wanted the opportunity to play one more time for Germany as, as a goodbye, but we'll see what, I guess, what happens with that. Um, final little bit of Chelsea news is Micah Hamano, which we've kind of referenced on and off throughout the episode but um you know i think most people knew that she was back at chelsea um basically chelsea have said that she needs surgery um on her shoulder injury so i think she's going to be out for a number of months um so her hamby loans effectively over interestingly chelsea have given her the number 23 so she has a number in the squad um but yeah obviously That'll be one to keep an eye on in terms of seeing what happens and how her rehab goes. All right, Abdullah, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you very much. It was fun. All right. We will be back later in the week. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>